the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. Lifeline. We are back. It is Lifeline with Pastor Phil Howard. I'm your moderator tonight. One Andy Froyland. Boy, it's been a while. It's kind of nice to get behind the mic again. And even if it's just to sit and listen to my one of my favorite pastors talk about the, the Word of God. And that's what we're doing tonight, kind of setting the stage for what Pastor Phil will be doing in the ensuing months as uh, he takes command of Lifeline, fourth Friday of every month, and uh, spends time with you, our listeners, uh, which you can do so by calling us at 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888-367-5329. Carol and Tom, patiently standing by. Give us just a couple of more minutes. Pastor Phil wants to wrap up what we're talking about, which I think, Pastor Phil, will lead into what Carol is wanting to know about. Because right here at the beginning of it all, God is dealing with us on a familial level. And he is a very familial God, isn't he? Yes, he he is. I love uh, talking about the family. Here God is the uh, first one that gave away the bride. He created the bride for Adam. And he says, here I gave you a bride. And uh, I'm the uh, father of the bride. That used to scare me when I was dating my wife. Uh, One night it seemed like the Lord just spoke to my heart. be sure how you treat your wife, who is a Christian, and I was a Christian, because you're dating my daughter. I was nearly afraid to kiss her uh, because I thought, man, I'm handling divine property. And uh, God kind of spoke to me, I'll break your neck if you mess with her <laughs> because she is my daughter. Uh, I wish all the guys had that view of dating and the girls. I am dating divine property, mm. especially when they have been purchased by the blood of Christ. Now you're and dating are, royalty. Now you're da- dating royalty, so don't treat them like trash. Uh, and then I love what he said, three elements he said about marriage. And here they're the only two people on the earth. You talk about an arranged marriage. This was arranged. Uh, <laughs> listen to this. This is why a man leaves his father and mother Ah, why? He has seen something that's flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone, a divine help from God. I'm willing to leave my mother and father. Now, when you read Genesis, leaving sometime was pitching a tent next door. So it wasn't geographical leaving. It was emotional leaving. It was priority leaving. You won't be the first loyalty in my life. But this wife you've given me and this husband, they become the priority love of our life. And there's a leaving. I'm not going to be dependent on mom and dad for my emotional uh, well-being, maybe economic underwriting. Two, he said you will cleave to her. And the word cleave is a strong word, adhere, to be glued to. Uh, God never intended divorce. It was never in the original plan. And the Pharisees asked Jesus, if God didn't intend for divorce, 
Why did it ever happen? He said, because of the hardness of the human heart. But it was not so from the beginning. It was meant to be a clinging, glued-together adherence for life. God meant it to be permanent. Sin brought hardness and brought the, the cleavage that we live through today. Then they said they shall become one flesh. This is commonly used of sexual union that's manifested in children. But when you think about it, can you be a married couple without children and still be one flesh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there is to be a blending, uh, maybe in the consummation, the greatest intimacy that he said they he knew her. They became one in the uh, physical act of marriage. But there's a bond created that is to be a center of refuge. It's beautiful. So, and then in the midst of it, I love this. It's just as a sideline. By the way, they were both naked and it didn't bother them and they felt no shame because this same theme, nakedness, is going to come to us in chapter 3 and it carries the weight of feeling ashamed before God. And we'll look at that later because think of it. Has God ever seen you in the shower? I mean, uh, nudity doesn't bother God. So this is this is really talking about uh, not only the body, but their internal being. They were they were without baggage. They were without shame. It it it's a wholesome thing. God and by the way, uh, God made man nude before Hugh Hefner came along. Uh, you know, every generation acts like they invented sex like God was caught off guard. God made us to be sexual beings without shame. But when sex is used without God's boundaries and God's ways, it's loaded with shame, guilt, and a lot of other baggage. So God said, I invented sex. I invented oneness. I invented marriage. I brought woman as a gift. What a beautiful, benevolent, kind God. Every good thing we have in our life came from this creator God that even gave us maleness, femaleness, marriage, oneness. What a great God. Mm. What a great gift. Yes, it is. And with that, we have a foundation for why we can confidently answer questions from God's Word. Amen. He is the author, the finisher, the perfecter of all things. And uh, with that foundation, we want to spend some time hopefully answering some of your questions, or at least going to God's Word to do just that. So Pastor Phil, if you're ready, let's just head right on over to the um, to Carol. Uh, Carol, welcome to Lifeline, and thanks for giving us a call tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Um, is this Craig Roberts who I'm speaking to, or another oh, another host? It's another host. Just your your friendly, uh, you know, heading into the weekend moderator. Just a, a just and an, an, an expert. I'm an expert. You know, X is unknown oh, in algebra. Okay. Spurts that drip under pressure. So that's me. The guy very, you want to talk good. to. Yeah, the guy you want to talk to is Pastor <laughs> Phil Howard. So uh, he he's the one who who tonight is all about. So Carol, you're on with Pastor Phil. Pastor Phil, I think you are a superb pastor, and I've been to your church maybe once, but your radio show is awesome. I think it's on KFAX a little too early in the morning. I don't catch it enough, 
But what an honor to speak to you. My question is, what happens when, as an, a parent, um, the earthly father just didn't quite, you know, do the role right? Um, family of divorce and the child, of course, got a little bit dropped and harmed in the process. And now the adult, the young adult child is overly reliant and overly defiant. When do you decide that you've done everything you can as a parent to correct any mistakes that you might have made? The father is now deceased. And when do you decide, okay, as an earthly parent, I'm turning you over to your heavenly father. I can't fix anything else. Well, uh, how old would this child be? Mid-20s. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yeah. I thought if they were six months old, you know, you better hold on. But when you got them in the 20s, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I think of uh, uh, I'm a, a 1940s baby, and uh, our motto was you graduate on Friday, you better have a job by Monday. Uh, and that was about 18. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was you took responsibility that you don't feed uh those that won't work, you don't have to. I would say in, when a young man is in his 20s, he ought to be on his own. And that, uh, you know, God I, God gave me a line three, uh, uh, several years ago, three things about children. We receive them, we raise them, we release them. Uh, okay, we raise them, uh, we receive them as gifts from God. And but now you release them to maturity, to the workforce. Uh, you don't get rid of being the mother, but uh, they should not be able to uh, rule you uh, in this defiance. Uh, it's time for them to grow up. But many of the younger generation, they're, many of them are living in the home till the 27, 28. The economy is keeping them broke but they could still be defiant. I would say you need to have a good talk and say, son, I'm releasing you to your choices, but you're going to have to bear the consequences mm-hmm. because uh, you're old enough now to live with your consequences. Yeah, there is that age of accountability of sorts, isn't there? Where sure. you finally have to say, uh, you know, it, it, at some point it becomes less than love to continue to hang on like that. I think you become a codependent yeah. and co-enabler. Exactly. Well, we've got to take another time out, Phil. But when we come back, Tom is waiting on the line, as is Carl. And we'll take those calls on the other side of our check of traffic and uh, paying some phone bills here on Lifeline. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center now. Look at your commute. And now back to Lifeline. Lifeline. And we are back. It is Lifeline. Andy Froyland, along with your uh, guest host tonight, Pastor Phil Howard. And we're taking phone calls this evening. We've uh, kind of laid a foundation in the first three chapters of Genesis, Pastor Phil. And uh, the one thing we didn't quite get to, which is why we've ended up here tonight and every fourth Friday of the night of the month, um, we didn't quite make it to the actual fall in Genesis. Right. And, And indeed... That's why we're answering questions tonight, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah. And we'll get to that. Uh, 
should we take our call in now? Or yeah, continue? we can. Yeah, in fact, uh, it, it kind of might lead into that just a little bit. Let's go to Tom in Hercules. Tom, hi there, and welcome to Lifeline tonight with Pastor Phil. Hello, Andy. Hello, Andy. Hi, Pastor. How are you? How are you? Just fine. Good. I have, I, I have a quick comment to make, and then I'll ask my question. Um, it's very interesting that you were saying about the helper, the other word for the helper being a soldier, because uh, I, uh, I got a drill sergeant. Pastor. <laughs> drill sergeant, no. Use of a strong my, help. My, my, <laughs> my my question for you, though, Pastor, I was having lunch with a with a with a pastor, a youth pastor, uh, from Southern California the other day, and he was talking to a lady at the table next to us. She was talking about the sin, about sin, and he uh, and he made the statement, "Well, um, well, God loves the uh, sinner, but he hates. Or he, he loves the sinner, but he hates the sin." and um, I just wanted to hear what you had to say about that kind of um, It kind of stopped me short. Well, I think it's a simplistic uh, statement that's come into uh, maybe Christian jargon. Uh, but, you know, when you read the Psalms, let's say if you read the first 15 to 20 Psalms, uh, it, it'd be interesting for you to read that, see how many times he says he hates the wicked uh, Proverbs 6, I hate the proud. Uh, I hate those who do this. I hate, wait, wait. I always heard he hated the sin. And all of a sudden, you've got all these references. I hate him who tells a lie. I Wait, you can't hate him, Lord. Uh, he said, I do. Uh, and I think the illustration that uh, who does God uh, put into hell, the sin or the sinner? Mm. You know, yeah. we, and so we, we, it's a contradiction. It sounds good. You know, God, love, I know you uh, get ready to rob a bank and kill your mother-in-law, but God, he's just against what you're going to do, but he sure loves you. No, no, no. God hates uh, wicked men. But here's the maybe the tension. Well, I thought he so loved the world. Well, he did at great cost, at the cost of his son. But it doesn't mean, he said, the only thing that can appease my hate for what you're doing is the death of my son in your place. Because you deserve hell. You, you brought it on yourself. And uh, I think of men being put into the lake of fire the judgment over and over. For instance, uh, Tom, when you read, you can't find any more Amorites. You cannot find any more Hittites. You cannot fill, find the Philistines. Why? God hated what they were and what they did and told Israel, eliminate them. They hate me. They're, they're against me. I'm going to eliminate them. And this is a holy, jealous righteous, angry God, according to Romans 1.18, the anger of God is being poured on the human race for their wickedness. And at the same time, the gospel says, he loves you enough to forgive you, but you're not a good guy apart from Christ. You've done things that bring the wrath of God. 
So I think it's a simplistic statement. Uh, He hates the sin. He hates the sinner who refuses to come to Christ, refuses to repent, and really says to God, uh, you didn't need to give Jesus. I, I was a pretty good guy anyway. And isn't that the problem today with people? Everybody says, I'm a good person. Uh, God couldn't let me go to hell. And so, hey, you got to see yourself as barren of any righteousness and in ourselves, I hate to say it, according to Romans uh, 5, 9, when we were at enmity with God, the Greek there, it's an active thing. It literally means when we were hating God, God gave Christ to reconcile us. God has saved a God-hating people mm-hmm. called us. It's inclusive. I think there's also another sub point that's going on here, too, that you might be able to address as well. I think when people use this, one of the things they're afraid of, Pastor Phil, is the fact that we can't hate. There's this ethos about us that, oh, if we hate, we're bad. Yeah. But not all hate is bad. That's right. And I, I, I think there's this underlying fear that if we if we acquiesce to the fact that God hates the unrepentant sinner, yeah. then there's a hate out there that, oh, how do we deal with that? And He's so an out-of-control God. Right. So how do you deal with this issue of hate then? Well, I think it's interesting uh, when he describes a righteous man, Psalms 15 and other places, he said, he loves truth, he hates a lie. Hmm. Uh, this uh, this antithesis. Uh, you, you know, if, if I uh, think of this, do I hate adultery? Or, well, it's good option. Hmm. Right. It might be, our, say, I really love my wife, but I don't hate adultery. Wait, uh, I love the truth, but a lie is convenient at April 15th. Yeah. You, you know, said, wait, wait. To love one thing is to hate something in a righteous way. It right. doesn't mean we get the vengeance as human beings. We don't have the right to get vengeance. We don't have the right to take life. Uh, God is righteous in his anger and long-suffering. For 120 years, he had a man building an ark, and nobody came. Right. And so he said, the flood's coming. Hmm. All right. Um Thank you so much, Tom, for giving us a call. Uh, I think we've got uh, we've got about three minutes, so let's go ahead and bring Carl in from Vallejo. We'll at least get your question, Carl, and see if we can't touch base on it before we take a break and then probably deal with the rest of it on the other side of the break. Carl, thanks for joining us here on Lifeline tonight. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank I'm you. I'm excited to be on with Pastor Howard. Yes, sir. Pastor Howard. Howard. I was reading in a devotional, and I was reading the story of Joseph, and what happened to him when he told his brothers what was going on, and one of the things that it made me think about is, how do you deal with, when you've got something that you're doing that may be really good or really exciting, or you feel God has called you to it, and you want to share it with people you love or that you care about, how do you kind of make the decision of when to tell them? Because clearly it didn't work out initially very well for Joseph, but we know God's purpose did kick in at the end. I I found this out, Carl, that you could tell a whole lot of people your troubles, but you can only tell a few people your victories. 
Uh, jealousy is a green-eyed monster. Uh, I probably never had over five people in my life that I would share my victories because I didn't want them to be jealous, accuse me of pride, arrogance. It's very, and as he found out, a young, immature Joseph, a spoiled Joseph that daddy had made, you know, the number one boy. And so a lot of uh, sibling rivalry. Hey, you guys are all going to bow down to me. Matter of fact, in his second dream, he said, by the way, dad and mom are going to bow down. And they said, oh, you obstinate, uh, arrogant young brother. You know, all he was doing is sharing the dream and the vision, but probably with the wrong people because, it. well, we know the rest of the narrative. They try to kill him, get rid of him. And I would say that uh, you've got to be very selective with who you share your dreams with because uh, they they not may not share. They, they weren't at the bush with you. They didn't hear God speak. And so I would be careful with my dreams and God's leading. Don't tell too many people too soon. Wait until you're living it out. Yeah. Wait until you're doing it. Then say, God gave me this dream two years ago. or this. Uh, don't make too many announcements. The big thing is, you remember the book of Acts? Charles Spurgeon said, it wasn't the book of talk. It was the book of Acts. So wait until you start living out the dream. Then you can give God the glory. He gave it to me before it ever happened. It's wise to be selective with who you talk to. And sometimes that even includes, sadly, your family. You you just can't always go to your family with some of this. So, All right, we're going to take a quick time out. Uh, Thanks, Carl, for your call. That leaves a phone line open at 888-F-O-R-K-F-A-X. That's 888-367-5329. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and spend some more time with Pastor Phil and God's Word, along with you, here on Lifeline. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center now. We've got another look at your commute. And now, back to Lifeline. Lifeline. And we are back. It is Lifeline. Andy Froyland in with with Pastor Phil Howard. And it is... uh, It's been a joy. It goes by fast, doesn't it? It sure does. Yeah. Uh, You know, and... Not only do we get to spend time doing what we love, but we also get to spend time talking about who we love. That's right. Which, I mean, that's a that's a double shot, man. That's on KFAX makes it a trifecta. There you it's go. like bringing you into a family reunion. Yeah. Look yeah. at Genesis three. I want to pick up in these first three chapters. Uh, this is not fairy tales. Some people made the first three chapters of Genesis poetry. Uh, not historical fact. Uh, there's even a book uh, one of my uh, friends, Bill Barrett, kept write on Adam. Was he the real man? And it's a, a book that's out there, uh, the Adam debate. But we assume that it is because we assume the Word of God is uh, true. And listen to this narrative. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, as you go into Revelation 12 and other passages, this the serpent creature, its body was used as the mouthpiece for Satan. 
He's actually talking to this actual creature that seemed to have been an upright creature at this point and a creature that uh, Eve didn't scream, that she was scared. There was no sin. Uh, It was not unusual. But the serpent is Satan using a physical being that we call a snake. And notice this uh, setting is up for the fall. We call it the fall. We fell away from God. And listen to his strategy to ruin the human race. Doubt what God has said. And the first question in the Bible, did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And uh, I find out that's one of his favorite tools. Has God really spoken? Uh, is the Bible really God talking? Uh, how, how does God didn't tell you to obey? Uh, God's not that hard on you. And then I think it's interesting, the narrative, she begins to have a conversation with the devil. We may eat from the trees in the garden, but God said, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. God had never said that. He said, don't eat it. Didn't say anything about touching it, or you will die. And and I make a point here. Too many of us are talking with the devil instead of talking to him. Uh, the Bible says you are to resist satanic language. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, how did Jesus resist the devil? It is written, Satan, in his temptations. After a 40-day fast, he appealed to three Old Testament verses to tell the devil, I resist you. Deuteronomy 8.3, Psalms, he used the word. So here, Eve, what are you talking? You see, it's an amazing narrative to me. All of a sudden, we have another voice in the garden. There had only been the voice of God up to now. Now we've got another voice, and she doesn't, it doesn't miss a beat with Eve. Uh, I don't know why she, I don't know. She never heard this voice before. It's the first time. And all of a sudden, we get someone else talking, and she just engages. I have no record that she talked to God. God talked to them in the garden, gave them the instruction. But you never have a recording of Adam or Eve talking back. But here she's engaged with a spirit being, talking, and goes on. What What did he say? You will certainly not die. The serpent said to the woman. Now we're having the introduction of death. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Whether you believe this narrative or not, have you attended any funerals lately? According to Romans 5 in this passage, Death was introduced by the satanic lie and the first sin of the human race. In Adam, we all sinned. We all partook of the tree. We all chose autonomy over God because the temptation was if you ignore God, you can become gods. 
You can decide what's good and what's evil. You won't have to be told what to do. You will become self-governing, self-reliant. So she partakes of the fruit, and then we get the curse that follows. And so I talk to the race. Our assumption is there's another voice out there today. We've got the voice of God. But what is there any other voices talking to you? Uh, we're in a world of cacophony, evil noises. We don't know who to believe. We don't know who to believe in Washington. Who's telling the truth? Uh, and this conversation will determine where your soul and your future eternal being will be. Which voice do you listen to? The voice of the serpent or the voice of God? And uh, I'm here to say I'm sorry, but you and I listened to the wrong voice in the beginning in our parents, Adam and Eve, and we made a choice, and God has brought the consequences. Last year, I believe it was, my wife and I, over a three-month period, buried five loved ones. My brother, my brother-in-law, an aunt, an uncle, an uncle. And they were all as a result of this first lie. Physical death. If you can get rid of physical death, you can call God a liar in Genesis 3, that this is all made up. But you can't beat death. No one's beat it. Methuselah made it 969 years, but it's got shorter after that. So we are living, whether we want to admit it or not, in a post-sin era, which came, we lost paradise in a day. In one day, in one act, and here he starts telling what's going to happen to them. Uh, Eve, I'm going to make childbearing tougher on you than I ever planned it to be. Uh, epidurals help, but it pain, it's childbearing. Adam, I'm going to curse the ground, and ground that was meant to be toiled and joy will now demand perspiration and hard labor. Oh, by the way, uh, Eve, the man is going to rule over you harshly. You're going to try to dominate him, but he's going to repay you by harshly treating you. And look at the human race. Go east from Jerusalem, and women have never been treated well. They've been owned, abused, sold. Only where Christianity spread to the west did liberation and the greatest amount of liberty come to women. Christianity has never been an enemy of the value of a woman and the value of the home. It's a result of sin that we abuse our children, that we abuse the status of women. Christianity is your greatest friend, the biblical view, but sin distorted Adam and Eve. All of a sudden, they learned the blame game. Where did the blame game start? It started when sin did. Uh, she, I wouldn't have done it, but you gave me Eve. Eve, why did you mm. sin? Well, you gave me the serpent. And so ever since, and then in the narrative, I am amazed. It said, then they finally said, we're naked. Mm. We, 
and, and the word naked here in this context is we've been exposed and now we're full of shame and we're full of guilt. Hmm. Let me tell you something about the gospel. Uh, the West and coming out of the Reformation and Luther, we love the fact that the gospel delivers you from guilt. But there's two other areas we seldom mention. It also delivers from shame and fear. And in Asia, shame is a big issue. Yeah. Even in the Bible, a woman could be uh, in her monthly cycle and couldn't meet with the worshiping community for a week. Or sometimes after childbirth, 40, 50 days. Hey, has she sinned? No, she's in a shameful condition. You could take fear, demons. In Africa, they say, uh, the gospel to many of those people said, we're delivered from the witch doctors. We're delivered from demonism. It's not just guilt that justification says we're free of. What about your shame? Right. What about your guilt? He said, the gospel has come to deliver us from the consequences of the fall. And so we first of all see we're a rebellious, ruined race in need of God's rescuing effort. And in Genesis 3.15, he promised the woman, I will bear a seed through you who he alone will crush and devour the head of the serpent that has deceived you and is killing the race. So the need for the gospel is to rescue a race that has rebelled and is far from God. Hmm. That's why Christ came. He didn't come because we're nice, wonderful, okay people. He came because sin and deception has captured us. He wants to rescue you. You remember what the prodigal's father said, this is my son who was dead as returned home. You see, death in our relationship with God, still alive physically, but relationally dead. God wants to get you to come home. He wants to get you to come back to paradise. And when you receive Christ, you made a reservation for paradise. And therein is the foundation for why we have answers that we do from God's Word. Quick time out. Take care of some bills. Final look at your traffic this evening here on Lifeline. Off to the KFAX Traffic Center we go for a look at that commute. Sponsored by Upwork. In Cupertino, southbound 280 as you approach De Anza Boulevard. A two-car crash. That's in the third lane from the left. Traffic stop and go from Highway 85. Southbound 280 in San Jose, just before the 680-101 split, three cars involved in an injury crash. That's all in the left lane. You'll find uh, traffic coming to a halt right around Wolf Road. Also in San Jose, southbound 680, just past uh, Capitol Avenue, a two-car crash now cleared over to the shoulder and out of the second lane from the left. Traffic slow all the way down uh, to Berryessa. That's traffic. I'm Michael Bennett. Upwork has the largest network of independent professionals, like developers, designers, data scientists, you name it, and they're proven, rated, and reviewed. So when you need in-demand talent, on-demand, Upwork is how. There aren't many realtors with a history like Tamika Ellsworth's. Her award-winning career in real estate began quite literally on the ground floor, building homes as a Union 405 carpenter in San Jose. Tamika built churches, orphanages, and homes for the homeless in Tijuana, Mexico. 
and as a volunteer with Habitat for Humanity, she quickly came to understand that home ownership is an essential tool for building generational wealth. Tamika Ellsworth has a passion to equip first-time homebuyers, veterans, and people of faith for the home buying process. And it's her depth of real estate knowledge that's won her over with her clients and her peers. Whether buying or selling, you want someone who has your best interests at heart. Someone who understands the unique Bay Area market and who understands you. Contact Tamika Ellsworth at Equity One Real Estate in San Jose today. Online at TamikaEllsworth.com. CalBRE number 0178-2633. Want to know the secret that all those flipping houses gurus won't tell you? Flipping multi-unit properties is easier and possibly more profitable than flipping single-family homes. With over 17 years of experience, we here at RE Mentor will show you the art of buying and selling multi-unit properties. Come spend two hours with our team of experts, and we will show you how you could get passive income and significant retirement quickly. This two-hour class will teach you the art of the multi-unit flip. You'll learn how to buy, hold, and sell multi-unit properties with no money down, no credit, and no risk. You risk nothing, but have everything to gain. This intensive two-hour real estate class is coming to the San Francisco area soon. Call 888-355-6152 to secure your seat. This seminar is free to the first 30 people that call. Change your life now and learn the art of the multi-unit flip or long-term hold. Call 888-355-6152. 888-355-6152. Guys, waking up over and over to urinate is not okay. But now, you can reduce those nighttime bathroom trips with the ingredients in Super Beta Prostate P3 Advanced. We're talking about less urges to urinate at night, less bathroom trips during the day, and better bladder emptying. It's like taking three prostate supplements in one. You can try a full 30-day bottle of P3 Advanced, free. Just pay shipping and handling. No strings attached, no obligations, and no commitments to buy. This is a 30-day supply, absolutely free. Call 1-800-458-4221. Super Beta Prostate is the best-selling brand in major retailers like Walmart. But for this no-strings-attached free bottle, you must call now. 1-800-458-4221. Don't miss out on this unprecedented free offer. Call 1-800-458-4221. 1-800-458-4221. is the year your business is going to thrive. Or will it? Resolve to use digital marketing to your advantage with the help from the pros at Salem Surround. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into website leads. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and learn how to get your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundsanfrancisco.com. That's surroundsanfrancisco.com. Streaming at KFAX.com on our mobile app. Tune in, iHeart, and Radio.com. The inspiration that goes where you go. AM 1100 KFAX. And now, back to Lifeline. Lifeline. And we are back. It's uh, Pastor Phil Howard and uh, Andy Froyland joining you this evening here on Lifeline. Every fourth Friday, we get a chance to spend time with you. And today, we've laid the foundation, if you will, for why we have the um, authority, if you will, to be able to go to God's Word and answer questions that challenge you on your daily walk through this life and in Christ. Um, man, God is all-sufficient, isn't he? Yes, he is. 
And I love the fact that Genesis 1 through 3 gives me a description of why the race is in the condition it's in, that uh, why does loneliness exist? Uh, why is man always in search? Because he was put, he was evicted from paradise over his rebellion, but he remains restless. He, he's, he's a vagabond in the earth. He, uh, he, he can never be ultimately satisfied. It was Augustine who said, you made us for yourself and we remain restless till we rest in you. And uh, to see this in mankind, he, he lost God. He, uh, he became at conflict with his wife, blame game, uh, all the complication. And I would just wrap up in my overview of the three chapters that, uh, first of all, we came from the hands of a gracious, intelligent, wonderful God. Uh, Genesis is truth, not myth. Uh, world history is man's journey outside of paradise. It's uh, Dante's paradise lost, paradise regained. Mankind is living in rebellion. He's born a sinner. He's born in rebellion. So instead of him being a God, uh, self-esteem, all the self-movements, and narcissism, he, he's a man and a woman uh, that's far from the creator. And what is the way back? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. What does he mean by the way? I am the only path. There's not many ways to God. There's one way to God. It's Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. Interesting. We lost paradise by believing a lie. And Jesus said, I'm the only truth that can get it back for you. And what did we lose in paradise? We lost physical life and spiritual life. Jesus said, I am the life. I'll give you what the tree of life can't give you. I'll give you eternal life. You remember when they were put out of the garden, God put angels to guard the tree to life. And man's been dying ever since. Jesus comes and said, if you believe in me, I'll give you what you lost. I'll give you eternal life. He is the meaning and the complement of a male, of a female. He doesn't treat them as lesser beings. The woman is not uh, treated as trash. Uh, and he's the deliverance from our shame. I, I love the fact that they were naked. In that, you know, the word in the Old Testament for atonement is from a Hebrew word, kafar. And kafar means to cover, to cover. And man knows he cannot come before God and feel comfortable unless he's covered. And friend, the gospel says Jesus is your covering. Jesus is the Passover lamb that can cover your shame. I don't care what has happened to you, what you have done. There is a covering. It's found in Jesus Christ. But you first of all got to realize you're naked before God and that the shame and the guilt and the pain that you live with is real. But coming to Jesus Christ will end the loneliness of exile, will find the covering to cover that nakedness of soul in your heart. And there is a place of refuge. Genesis 1 through 3 says, oh, I need a savior. 
And now I say to you who have found a Savior, you're not alone. You're going to heaven. You'll be in paradise again. And the shame should end. There is no shame to those in Christ because he's covered you. He's, he's clothed us in Galatians 3. He said, you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And when I come before God, he doesn't see an emotionally sinful, shameful man. He sees a man that the righteousness of Christ has enfolded. Mm. What a gospel. Oh, yeah. Wow. And see, that's the foundation. And, you know, I, I can't help but think that if, 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 if the book stopped at Genesis 2 in the end of the chapter, we wouldn't need to be here. But sadly, we are. I tell you what, next month is Valentine's Month, so we'll talk about marriage. marriage. Let's do it. We'll do it. All right. And that's what we'll do here on the program. So in the meantime, we have to say goodbye. I want to thank Craig Roberts for giving us the mic and the studio this evening. It's been a thrill being with you tonight. Uh, Joe over there on the other side. Yeah, he's the guy with the thumb in his ears waving at you. And he plays with all those colorful lights, and he makes everything happen over on that end of uh, the program. Uh, Joel, thank you for engineering us tonight and manning the phones. And friend, thank you for joining us here tonight on Lifeline. What a privilege and pleasure it is. May the Lord richly bless you. Until next time, God bless. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Thank you.